Well, good morning. I am so glad that you're here with me this morning on this <clears throat> Friday, this rainy Friday. What is it? November uh, 13th. And uh, just so glad that you're joining me today to study God's Word. And maybe you can tell that uh, the video is just a little bit different in the um, aspect there. And that's because I'm using my computer this morning. I'm, I still haven't worked out my audio problems with my phone. I am working on it. And why don't you pray with me about that? I've tried so many different things and researched it. And this morning I was praying, Lord, you know, the only thing I haven't done yet is pray about it. And so I prayed about it and I asked for God to help me solve my audio problem. Uh, listen, uh, I've decided I'm going to start a new series in my devotions, probably from now until Christmas. Um, and that is I'm going to do a series called Who I Am in Christ. And um, I'm really going to use an old classic book that I just love by Neil Anderson called Who I Am in Christ. And let me show you a picture of it. Uh, it looks like this. And uh, you might um, you might pick that book up sometime. What it is, is uh, it's 36 daily devotionals about our identity in Christ. And so its goal, and as will be my goal <clears throat> in this series, is to, to just increase our sense of identity in the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, of course, there are so many things in our lives that that create our identity, that make us who we are, uh, and those things are important. I don't want to minimize those things. Personalities, looks, talents, hobbies, etc. All of that um, create our sense of identity. But what I would like to, us to do um, around the Word of God, in the Word of God, is to increase our sense of, of personal definitional identity in the Lord Jesus. I am Christ's. I belong to Christ. I am a child of God. This should be my foremost, first and foremost identity. On my Facebook um, page or identification page that talks about who you are, I've put Christ follower because that's what I want to be known as, that's what I want my soul to be happy in, first and foremost, is that I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, as I've said, there will be probably 36 topics that I go through, so uh, I hope you enjoy these as I go for the next month and a half or so. And the first one today is, I am accepted. I am accepted in Christ. And we get this from Romans 15, verse 7. Romans 15, verse 7, if you want to turn there. It's just one verse. Um, most of these are one verse in these devotions. <clears throat> and in Romans 15, 7, it says simply, Accept one another, then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. I'll read that again. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you. Just as Christ accepted you. In order to bring praise to God. Christ accepted you. He accepted me. Um, we, we can find our greatest foundational sense of acceptance in Jesus. Because he has taken me in. He's welcomed me. He's received me as his own. And now Paul, of course, is using that, that seminal truth as the basis for his argument 
for us to accept one another, right? And uh, uh, this is the greatest. This is the greatest reason why we should look at other people first and foremost with love, as uh, love and acceptance uh, in our communities, right? This is where this is where the truth of acceptance comes from. That God accepted us in Christ Jesus. Now the context of this, just go up a couple of verses, starting in verse 1 of chapter 15. Let me just read the context. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. Now, the context for the Christians here in Rome that that um, Paul is writing to is that uh, the group of people that were primarily reading this book were Jewish Christians or Christians who had been con converted from um, from their Jewishness, their Jewish faith. But there were also some in the church who had been converted from uh, a non-Jewish background, so a Gentile background. And so the issue became this clash between this, uh, this group of uh, Jewish converts and this group of Gentile converts. So there was this religio-cultural clash within the church. And the issue was that uh, the Jewish Christians thought themselves better than the Gentile Christians. And Paul is trying to help them to understand this is not true, right? Don't fall into this trap. And one of the issues was that that the Gentile Christians didn't have the same background, right? They didn't understand the scriptures in the same way, the Old Testament scriptures. They didn't understand Jewish traditions, and so they didn't have this kind of sense of, of religious behavior already. Um, they, they didn't have kind of this, this background in being religious. Uh, and so Paul's urging them to accept everyone, even those who are, quote, weak uh, in some kind of religious senses was the point. But the main point here that Paul is, is sharing with us uh, is that, um, that if you understand the scriptures, the scriptures teach you to accept, right? Look at verse four. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Our hope is in God, right? And whether it's our hope as Jewish Christians or their hope as Gentile Christians, it's still the same hope. And so if you're proud of knowing the scriptures because you have a Jewish background, then be proud of this, that everyone, that there's hope for everybody, you see. That's the point. Christ has accepted all of us in the church. You know, some people really struggle with the idea of feeling accepted. I think that everyone, at some point in their lives, struggles with a sense of identity and a sense of feeling accepted by those around them. Um, uh, some people, perhaps more to some degree than others, but, but everyone, at some points, um, feels like they're not accepted, whether that's they're not accepted by a parent, they don't feel loved by a parent fully, or maybe their parent was distant, um, not accepted by your friends growing up, perhaps, for whatever reason, not accepted at work, for 
whatever reason, you feel like the outcast a little bit. I can remember when I was, uh, when I had moved to a new home, right in the middle of my seventh grade year. I'd been going to a school in one part of town, we moved to another part of town, and so I had to switch schools right in the middle of the year. And for a seventh grader, um, going through puberty, going through those issues in life at that age, um, acceptance and friendship are very important. And I can remember coming into this new school, not knowing anybody, and, um, and feeling during that year a sense of disappointment because I didn't feel like I, I fit in anywhere. A um, couple of uh, challenges that I, that I ran into. First of all, there were two seventh grade classes in this school and I got stuck in the remedial one. I got stuck with, with not, the, not the class that was for the kids who were excelling, but for the class of the kids who weren't excelling. And so I got stuck in that class that was one problem because I was bored. Another problem was that I had a friend who had gone to who was had always grown up in that school, and I had known him from from uh, different circumstances. And I thought, when I go to this school, he's going to be my best friend because I know him. We get together sometimes on the weekends. Um, when I go to the school, I get to be with him every day, and he's going to be my best friend. And I had thought that, and. Well, he was a friend, but he didn't end up being my best friend. And that was very disappointing. Um, I was very surprised by that. And uh, that, be, that just led to that sense of not feeling accepted. Well, we all have stories, right, of not, not feeling accepted. And maybe even in your middle age and later on in life, you still struggle with that. Because disappointment in people is very real, right? We get disappointed in whatever it is whether it's friends or teachers or parents or leaders or even sometimes we get disappointed in pastors. Um, and I, I understand that. I'm not naive. Um, we, we, we want to put a lot of stock in what these people can give to us. And they do give to us a lot. Um, but my friends, the bottom line is that our foundation is found in Christ alone. Our foundation is found in God alone. He is the one who's accepted us, whose acceptance we should depend upon first and foremost. People will disappoint you. I'm, I'm, I'm sad to say it, but people will disappoint you. But God is our rock. Amen. He is the one who accepts us through and through. Now, um, Christ doesn't accept us he doesn't condone our sins and our weaknesses, but rather he accepts us by forgiving our sins and our weaknesses. Okay, let me say that again. Christ doesn't accept us because he condones our sins and weaknesses. Christ, Christ accepts us because he forgives our sins and our weaknesses. Amen. God loves you just the way you are today, but much too much to let you stay that way. I learned that the very first year I became a Christian, when I was 14 years old. It was on a sign that, that was, a, it was kind of a nice picture sign up on the wall in the church where I attended. And I read that every time I went to church, I saw that up there. God loves you just the way you are today, but much too much to let you stay that way. And that little phrase, that little ditty, reminds us of two theological truths. First of all, that God's love is unconditional. And then secondly, 
God's love is, sanct is sanctifying. So unconditional love and sanctifying love. John 3.16, of course, right? Uh, I never hesitate to go back to John 3.16. I'm not embarrassed to do it because there's so much uh, truth in John 3.16, even though it's the most famous Bible verse of all and, and whatever. I still love to go back to it. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The word love there, of course, is agape, which means unconditional sacrificial love. It's a very different kind of love. It was a love that was invented only by God. And it reminds us again and again that Christ's love for us is unconditional. No matter what you've done, no matter what I've done in the past, no matter who I am, no matter how weak I am, no matter how sinful I am, Jesus has accepted me by forgiving me, by dying on the cross for me. Sacrificial love, unconditional love. Okay? Um, uh, you don't, you, we don't have to earn Christ's love, right? We don't have to compete for his love. We don't have to call him up and ask him if we can, if we can be with him. We know we can be with him. We don't wonder if we can be with him. We know we can. Well, sometimes you, you think, well, I'd sure like to spend time with that person. So you call them up and, oh, you know, they're busy. I'm sorry, we can't do it right now. We can't, you know, whatever. And you just have that sense of disappointment because you really wanted to be with them. Well, it's not that way with Jesus. He's always there, right? So unconditional love, but also he loves you just the way you are today, but much too much to let you stay that way. So also sanctifying love. He's going he's gonna to change, grow, and improve us, right? And so we get that from all kinds of Bible verses. One of them is Philippians 1.6. Philippians 1.6, you have to know this one, memorize it. Be com being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus, right? That God loves you so much, he won't let you stay in your weakness and sin. He's going to grow us up, right? Sanctifying love. So unconditional leads to sanctifying. So when we say that God has accepted us, we're not saying he condones our sin. That is not at all what we're saying. But he starts, he starts by loving us where we're at, in our weaknesses, in our sin. And then he carries us on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Amen? Well, of course, I had to think of a song. Now, I'm not going to sing it like Stan sang the other day, Bless His Heart. Good for him, and he's got a beautiful voice, by the way. And uh, and I'm not I'm not ashamed of my voice, but uh, you know what? I'm not going to sing right now. <laughs> Just as I am. How about that hymn of old, right? Just as I am, without one plea, but that Thy blood was shed for me, and that Thou didst bids me come to Thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. I bet you've heard that song. Lots of times. I love this last verse in this hymn. Just as I am, thou wilt receive. Wilt welcome, pardon, cleanse, relieve. Because thy promise I believe, O Lamb of God, I come. I come. Praise God. Amen. I am accepted by God. And that's the beginning of my series on who I am in Christ. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. I thank you that
you love me and that you accept me uh, unconditionally, God. I thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me, for us. And Lord, may we go forth today in this day with that knowledge that our identity is first and foremost in you, Lord. Of all that we are, this is the most important, that we are a child of God, that we know you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, have a great day, even though it's pouring down rain. I love the rain because the rain reminds me of God's provision. So enjoy the rain, enjoy the day, and we'll see you on Sunday morning. Talk to you later.